And good day to you. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I am Pastor Curtis Hutchinson, and I'm excited to be here with you today. And uh, we are in 2 Peter chapter 2, trying to get all these kinks worked out here. Hope everything is okay. And uh, and uh, we're just we're just uh, just so always excited to be gathered around God's word and uh, just digging in deeper. The, Jesus taught us that uh, He would send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. And therefore, that's why we open our Bibles daily. We become students of God's Word. We strive together for the faith of the gospel that comes by hearing the Word of God. And so grab your Bibles. We're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 2 today. This will be part 5 of this second chapter here in 2 Peter. I just want to take a moment to say how much uh, of a great time in the Lord we had yesterday in Greenwood, Mississippi with the saints there of Crossway Ministries, Pastors Wayne and Debbie Voss and the great congregation there. Uh, who are determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified, standing in this great truth, seeing every jot and tittle in the light of Jesus Christ and His His atoning work there on Calvary's cross. And there are other churches like that as well across the nation now who are determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified. And you'll know where they are because... Every ounce of mixture is being driven out instead of allowed to come in and drown out the voice of the truth of Calvary. So we had a great time, had dinner with the Vosses Saturday night, and we had a great time in the Lord yesterday there in Greenwood, Mississippi. We've been so close and faithfully tied to the ministry there and uh, just uh, arm in arm, linked together, running this race. And it's so encouraging to be able to look over and see others headed for the finish line, carrying this great blood-stained banner of love all the way to the finish line. And we were just tickled to be there. And uh, we're just excited about what the Lord has, has imparted yesterday and the great truth of the gospel delivered. And just the, the time of fellowship that we spent was just so wonderful. Uh, don't forget also to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. Everything we do on Wednesday and Sunday is live there, or you can watch these sessions you're seeing now on Facebook, on one of our Facebook pages. Uh, you can watch them. They're uploaded there later. These teachings we have on Monday morning and Friday morning. And so uh, also I do have two Facebook pages, the Pastor Curtis page and the Curtis Hutchinson page. And the Crossway Church of Queen City, Texas page. I guess there's three. But every morning, somewhere between 7 and 8, somewhere I try to around 7.30 every morning to uh, post a scripture right now in one of those pages, Pastor Curtis page, we're in Colossians and the other Curtis Hutchinson page, we're in Psalms chapter 63, one verse a day in light, in the light in which it was written, which is the cross of Christ. So I encourage you, uh, request to be my friend or follow the Pastor Curtis Facebook page and follow along and uh, like, share, and uh, so those things will pop up even in your memories 
next year and the year after if the Lord tarries and you can be reminded of the great truths that he's given his, giving his church in these last days. All right then. Second Peter chapter 2, and let's start in verse 11. Uh, the Bible here says, Whereas angels which are greater in power and might bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. Now who's he talking about here? The angels who are greater in power and might than human beings says that they're not even bringing a, a, a reviling, a railing accusation against them before the Lord. Who are them? Well, let's back up and see this morning who them are. They are those who walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government, whether it be any civil government or government in the governmental authority in the church, or it they are also presumptuous. And we talked about that word the last time we we're together, and that word presumptuous means daring and audacious. Like, and we used it like, how dare someone have the audacity to come in here and try to preach something other than the scriptures in the light of the one who declared himself to be light and what he did on Calvary's cross for that light to be on and for us to walk in that light that the Lord is in. How dare they have the audacity to come in here and try to share God's word outside of the only light that can come from God's word, which is Christ and him crucified. How dare them have the audacity to do that? But it says that even the angels who are, have more power and more might than human beings, they don't even bring a railing accusation against them before the Lord. He goes on to say, But these as natural brute beasts made to be taken, and that word literally means caught and destroyed, speak, e speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly, watch this now, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. We're not, we're not here to destroy anybody. We are here to mark, mark those who cause division by having the daring audacity to stand in a pulpit and use God's word Contrary to the doctrine which we first learned, we are to mark them and then we are to avoid them. And, and, and we're not to just stand and accuse them before the Lord uh, because angels don't even do that. We are to mark them and make sure that we mark them and then we are to avoid them because if they don't repent... At the gospel, they're hearing preached. If it doesn't bring repentance to them, then they're going to perish in their own corruption. And there's another scripture in the book of Psalms that tells us it's the very evil in which the wicked 
will perish. The very evil that they do is that which they will perish in. You know, this always goes back to Galatians where we find the scripture that tells us that God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sow, that shall he also reap, whether it be unto death or unto life. Man will reap what he sows. We can sow to the flesh, we will reap corruption. There's other scriptures that tell us this. Or we can sow to the spirit, which is exclusively exercising the measure of faith we have received in the very object, the only object in which that measure of faith works, which is the death of Jesus, so that we can reap eternal life. Not just coming eternal life, but the eternal life that we already have. Remember, Paul told Timothy, lay hold on on the eternal life. Lay hold on this eternal life. You have eternal life now, my friend, if you're a Christian, because you have Christ dwelling in you by his spirit, and he is our eternal life. He is our eternal life. So lay hold on him through exercising the measure of faith you were given in the only place it works in the death of Jesus so that then the Holy Spirit can guide you into the written words that are in your Bible. Hallelujah. But he will always guide you by your faith in its only perfect object, which is Christ and him crucified, so that then he can teach you as a disciple the word of God so that your feet can be walking, found by God walking in the truth. He wants to guide you into all truth. But where it starts every moment is with a heart, a spirit-taught heart that is a disciple of Christ, meaning a learner of Christ that Jesus said it cannot happen unless we're bearing our cross. And that means trusting in Christ and what he did on his cross, hallelujah, amen. So he, he's telling us here, let's go back and read a little bit. Let's go back and read verse 9 so we can stay here and get the picture the Holy Spirit wants us to have here. Verse 9, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly, mainly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. Watch now. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing, reviling accusations against them before the Lord. But these, as natural brute beasts made to be taken, which means made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. It is their own corruption that is capturing them and holding them captive themselves. And they shall be, the Bible says, they shall be punished. They shall be 
punished. A lot of Christians, they don't like using that word, but there is a time of punishment coming for all those who've rejected Christ, never accepted Him, but then there's a greater punishment for those who have come the way of righteousness, God's holy commandment. We'll see here later in this very chapter, but they've turned away from it. There's a greater punishment for them. So let's read this because we're not done seeing the context of what's really being said here. Let's read this again in verse 12, but these as natural brute beasts made to be taken, made to be, uh, that, that word again means caught and destroyed. But look at how they're going to be caught and destroyed as they speak evil of the things that they understand not and they shall utterly perish, die in their own corruption. Watch. Let's see who they are. It gets more specific here. Make sure you get this. And they shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they count it pleasure to riot. And that word riot, it means, if I could bring it up, it means to revel, that partying spirit, in the daytime. Even in the daytime flaunt the flesh. They flaunt the flesh. You know that attitude. Have you ever heard somebody that claims to be a Christian that goes to church doing something that's just reveling, just fleshly, just of that party spirit out in, even in the daytime saying, well, I don't care what anybody thinks of me, you know. Well, you know, at least I'm honest. At least, at least I ain't hiding it. And, 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 and see, see the deception in that? Well, at least I ain't hiding it. I'm doing it right out in the open. At least I'm honest. Uh, you see that? that, that it, it, they, think that they think that matters and that gets them a few points, but actually it makes it even worse for them. They're sowing into a deeper place of corruption and destruction. You know how people will say, well, God knows my heart. Listen, God does know our heart better than we know it. The Bible says that through the prophet Jeremiah. But we, we say a lot of things with a different intention and motive behind it than the one God sees behind it. See, God sees reality. God sees where the rubber meets the highway. God sees the true motive of the heart. When I say in a negative way, well, you know, God, God knows my heart. When I say that, when someone is t trying to help me see that what I'm doing is sinful and causing me harm and that I'm the problem and I say, well, God knows my heart. You know, God sees my heart. Well, yes, he does. And again, he sees it and knows it better than we do. But we can use factual statements out of their context. And really, if we are, we're only bringing corruption and destruction to our own selves. And we're headed to a day of punishment. We will be punished. You know, we, won't, we might not want to use that word punish. We might want to use the word disciplined for it. You call it what you will, my friend. My daddy disciplined me. He punished me. He used a belt, a rod, a stick. He spanked me. He did not spare the rod when he raised me right. And God will not spare the rod on his people. Amen. He's holding those. Listen. 
He's, he, 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 where's the Bible say? He's reserving the unjust unto the day to be punished. Uh, right now, folk think they're getting away with all sort of stuff. Nobody is getting away with anything. Not one thing am I or any human being who's ever lived getting away with anything. We can use all these spiritual phrases and cliches we want, but we've got a Bible, and if we'll get in it, we'll find the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world that God sent to save us, to forgive us of our sin, to save us from the very power of sin, which includes lying about our sin, and to deliver us moment by moment. And we learn to live out this work that our Lord is working into us, then it's, it's an ongoing process that this work our Savior began in us. He will one day finish that work in us. And so we got to be careful about the excuses we make for sin or the excuses we make for anything. We're, the church is not very discerning today, but I understand how could it be? How could it be discerning if they're not looking at and through Calvary? Because the cross of Christ is the only discerning factor that the church has access to. That's it. Nothing else do we look to and through to find the discernment of the Holy Spirit. It's not going to happen. You say, well, no, well, no, I've got the Word. Well, if the Word is not directing you to the cross, you're not going to be able to see, you're not going to be able to have the discernment even using God's Word because all of God's words are in righteousness, Proverbs 8 and 8. And His righteousness is revealed in the gospel, Romans 1, 16 and 17. So it's only as we come to faith in the gospel that our eyes are opened. Remember what Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. Unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom or even see it. There is blindness until our hearts yield to the truth of Christ and Him crucified because we've heard the word in that context, and we were born again, given eyes to see, and now we're walking in the light that the Lord is in, 1 John 1, 7 through 9. And Peter wrote that if we forget that we were purged from our old sins, and that doesn't mean it's just nowhere in our minds anymore. It means we forgot that we've gone on from that. Instead of the cross being before us now, what we're looking at and through, and the world behind us, we've switched that, and now the world is before us, and the cross is behind us, and that's an automatic blindness, my friend. Whoever on the planet, anywhere, is not looking to and through Calvary's cross is blind. I don't care how much word they share, how much word they can pull in and put on an, ex an exhibition of how many words in the Bible they can pull together for a specific issue or sinful problem or bondage unless it culminates and ends at Calvary the word of God it has no power 
the power that Christ is upholding all things by right now, Hebrews 1 and 3, is the word of his power. And that's the word of his cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb. So it says here in verse 13 that these who do this shall receive the reward of unrighteousness. So because we know there is a reward for unrighteousness. Think about what Romans 1 and 18 says. That the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against those who hold the truth of his word in unrighteousness. Why don't we just go there and read that and then we'll come back here to where we are. Romans 1 and 18 says this in these words. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. That means they're holding the Bible, they're declaring the words of the Bible, but out of the righteous context, meaning outside of the focus of Calvary. Outside of the righteous context means outside of the avenue of Calvary's Christ, the cross, the gospel, hallelujah, the death of Jesus. But I want to make a point here this morning because we read this and we're like, we don't understand it most of the time and we won't understand it unless we look at it by looking at the cross of Christ and through the cross of Christ as the scriptures only then can have the light that they need. I've told this many times, but it's so beautiful. I'll share it again this morning, maybe for the the new viewers and maybe as just a good remembrance for those who watch all the time. But the cross of Christ has always stood from before the foundation of the world. And any light that has ever come from heaven has always shined on Christ and him crucified. And it always has made a shadow. That's why everything behind in the Old Testament is a type and a shadow of Christ and him crucified. All the light of heaven, all the law, the prophets, the Psalms have shined upon Christ and him crucified and caused there to be a shadow of Christ and him crucified behind it. But once Christ came from heaven as the Son of God, to become the Lamp of God on Calvary's cross, then the light from heaven came to earth as Christ. And when he died, that light shined through the cross onto all the scriptures, and they became now light in him. You have to understand that. Even the old covenant scriptures now become light in Christ. But so this wrath of God revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, get this, the only thing that can exist when we hold God's truth outside of the focus of Calvary, which is the place where the truth of righteousness is revealed, declared, offered, and obtained from God to men, it's the cross. And when we hold the word, get this now, 
who, let's ask this question. Who is it that sees the wrath of God revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who are holding the truth in unrighteousness? Who is it that sees this? And a beautiful picture of this is in Galatians chapter 2 when Peter jumped into the boat of hypocrisy as he was moved by the fear of men coming from Jerusalem who were still clinging to the law and not giving way to Christ and Him crucified exclusively as God's only answer for all men, whether it be Jew, Greek, free, it don't matter. It's God's only answer is Christ and Him crucified. And when these men who still had a zeal for the law and not yet receiving the truth, don't know if they ever did, of Christ and Him crucified, then Peter saw them coming, heard they were coming, moved with fear, submitted to them again. And Paul writes in Galatians 2, when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I rebuked Peter face to face. He had to preach the message of justification. Go read it. You'll see. Preaching justification is what brings you back to the place. It's the only thing that brings you back to the place of experiencing the knowledge and the experience of possessing your vessel in sanctification and honor. God showed Paul, let me say it again, God showed Paul that his wrath was resisting what was going on there in those few moments, however long those few moments were, Paul recognized the wrath of God being revealed from heaven to him, but it was against Peter, Barnabas, and other Jews there who were now going to submit and fear those men who were still all wrapped up in something other than just the truth of Christ in him crucified. And so I read this because I want you to understand today, and I pray the Holy Spirit impart it, into your heart, that when you're walking in the truth of God's righteousness, when you're living by the faith of righteousness, when you're hearing and living according to the the truth that's only found in righteousness, then when there is something else offered, it is going to be revealed to you. If you make excuses... For that, instead of bringing a correctional word to that, or if you don't get up and get away from that, if it's refused to be heeded, then you will be sucked into that. There is already a pull for you to come under that, just as Barnabas did and some of the other Jewish Christians that were there did. And this was being seen by Paul, so he brought forth the message that directed them back to what justified them, which he says was the faith of Jesus Christ, meaning what he did on the cross by faith, laying his life down, dying, shedding his own blood by faith. Hallelujah. 
So I wanted to bring that up because we read this Romans 1.18 and it's like, well, you know, who do you think you are to think that God's showing you something? Well, they did the same thing to Paul in that day. And I don't, I don't really know of another time after that. And I may be wrong about this, but I don't know of another time after that story where Barnabas is even mentioned. I'm not saying he went on and, 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 and didn't get back right from his boat of hypocrisy. We know Peter repented and got back because he went on and, and wrote, the word of God. God allowed him to be used greater. And so, but there had to be a word of correction, if not. And the word of correction has to come from those. Listen, not just because there's some sinful act being carried out that's obviously evil and wicked, but when we go back under those who are using God's word outside of its righteous context, because I'm sure those people, those men that came from James Church there in Jerusalem, they came bearing the word of God. They were the ones who had always had the word of God. Not the chicken-eating Gentiles there, but the Jews came bearing the word but out of its context now under the new covenant, hallelujah, that Jesus said could only be found in his blood. Glory be to God, hallelujah to the Lamb. So, uh, you know, there are individuals, and the church don't like it. Well, who do they? They think, they think they're the only ones that are right. They've made a law out of this. Oh, they're a bunch of elitists. My friends, don't worry about all those statements. They never come from those who are being determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified. They always come, it always comes from those who are not lovingly bringing a correction for that which is wrong. <laughs> see, see, you know, we, we, listen, we have to stand in this truth. And when we are, there will come a time when the Lord demands that we step out and say, you know, that's, you know, that's really not what the Bible says. And, and so, uh, and, and if we're not willing to do that, it's, it's just a matter of time till we start throwing rocks at those who are. Let me say, if we're not willing to correction, if we're not willing to remove ourselves from obvious mixtures, there, it's just a matter of time till we start throwing rocks at those who do come out from it or those who do bring correction. So, and that's going on big time right now. And, and, and it, there's even more to come in the days ahead. But watch this now. Let's go back to where we were in 2 Peter chapter 2. And let's come down here in verse 13 again where the Bible says, and these, these that are do this, and we'll see that these are, these are men in the church. These are men all tied up in the church. Get this now. Let's read verse 13 before we get to that part. We still got a good half hour, so Lord bless us, and Lord get us through this with some great truth this morning. I know he will. But he says here in verse 13, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness. And that means the wages. That word reward means wage. There's, a, there's wages for either way we go. There's only two. Whether we exercise the measure of faith we were given in the death of Jesus through the word of God directing us there always, which is us serving obedience unto his righteousness, or 
We don't exercise that measure of faith and we're serving the sin nature because we're trusting in something else. When we are not exercising the measure of faith we were given in its only object, which is that object that God the Holy Spirit always delivers us unto being death, 2 Corinthians 4.11, because that's what he's working in us for us to be able to express what that work of death in us can provide, which is the salvation of our Christ, of our Jesus, the expression of our Jesus. Hallelujah. So that's where he has to get us. And we exercise the measure of faith in the object that allowed God to give it to us when our hearts yielded to it. That is the same that is how we serve obedience unto righteousness by exercising from the heart, yielding the heart to that truth of Christ and Him crucified, or it's not as we've been taught for years and I've taught for years, misplacing our faith. You can't move that faith into anything else because it's in Christ. You can't move that faith. All you can do, all I can do, if I don't exercise my faith in the death of Jesus, which is my serving obedience unto righteousness, all I can do, if I'm not doing that, by faith, is to be found serving the sin nature unto death, which means a place of unfruitfulness. As Paul said in Romans 7, 9, I was alive once without the law. That means his born-again experience because he was never alive. He was never alive without the law until I was alive once without the law. What made him alive without the law? What Christ did at Calvary. But when the commandment came, the sin nature revived and Paul said, I died. That means he was no longer under grace, meaning he was no longer being led by the Spirit of grace to bear fruit. He died. Jesus said the same thing about the church in Sardis. You've got a name that you're alive, but you're dead. And you know, it's high time the church wake up and realize and, and have this desire that though I've been made alive in Christ, I want to be found by my God living in Christ, not just having the declaration that I'm alive, I was made alive in Him, I want to be found by God now, moment by moment, living. I've been made alive in Christ. Peter, the apostle Peter, was alive in Christ, but yet in Antioch, he wasn't living in Christ. He wasn't living by the faith of Christ. He all of a sudden was moved with fear, the fear of men that snared him, just as the Bible says more than once that it will, the fear of a man, the fear of man will bring a snare. It will snare your heart. And that's exactly what happened. But watch this now. And these shall receive the reward of unrighteousness. There are wages for serving the sin nature. It's death. There are wages, there are rewards for serving obedience unto righteousness, and it is what? For now, what is it? It's the very experience of eternal life, who is Jesus Christ. Glory be to God. Watch this now. Because we know the Bible says 
that there are rewards for unrighteousness, let's look back in the book of Proverbs chapter 11 verse 18 and see the other side of this coin, if you will. Proverbs eleven eighteen says, The wicked work a deceitful work. Remember these that we're reading about now in Peter as he's writing about them and he's having to write about them because they're in the church. Get this now. They, they are brute beasts. They, they, they are living according to the flesh even in the daytime and boasting about it. But they're also false teachers in the church. Watch this now. And, 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 and Peter writes that they're going to perish in their own corruption. Watch this now, Proverbs eleven eighteen. The wicked work a deceitful work. Do you know what a deceitful work is? It's a work that I'm involved in. It's a work that I'm working. It's a work that I'm doing. It's something that I'm involved in. I'm carrying it out spiritually speaking. But it's deceitful, meaning it's not right. It's not going to work. It's the very thing that's going to cause Jesus to have to tell countless millions at the great white throne, countless millions at the great white throne judgment. It's going to, this is what's going to cause him to say, I never knew you. When they say, didn't I prophesy? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do many wonderful works in your name? Didn't we cast out devils in your name? And he's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Those words will ring in the the souls, the lost souls of those people throughout all eternity in the lake of fire. They worked, but it was deceitful work. It was work that seemed right to them, but it ended in death. And that that scripture, that phrase is used more than once in the word of God as well. There is a way that seems right to man. Mm. But that way ends in death. Death is always separation from God. Whether it's the lost world of Adam and they're separated from God until they're born again. Or if they're not born again, they're separated from Him forever. In a place of unspeakable torment. For us Christians, separation from God, death, is an unfruitful place. Remember the church of Laodicea, they are the church of Laodicea, meaning they had the Spirit of God dwelling in them, but yet Jesus was outside knocking to get in fellowship with them because they were not being led by the Spirit. If they were, he would have, the Spirit would have led them in fellowship with the one who was knocking to get inside a fellowship with them again. And, and that is such a scary thing to me to have been born again, have the Spirit of God, and be out of fellowship with Christ. It's His Spirit of which we have. Think about that. 
And people, the preachers running around today trying to twist scriptures and say that, well, that those people weren't really saved. My friend, let me just say this today, and we'll see it even further down in the writings of Peter. If you're still reading commentaries of men who were caught up in that heresy, that damnable, wicked heresy of that you can't ever have, have partaken of salvation and this way of righteousness, this holy commandment, and turn away from it and go back into the vomit that you came out of, if you're still reading commentaries with that underlying falseness of once saved, always saved, and you can't lose your salvation, you can't walk away from it, you're never ever going to understand a lot of what's written in the New Testament. I see those commentaries and it just breaks my heart for those men who, and a lot of those writings are what causes men to be more unfaithful because they're lied to. They're told that they're okay no matter what. I've, I've heard preachers who have mega churches tell people it doesn't matter even if you renounce Christ after you've been saved that you're still going to heaven. And all these flaked out fleshly carnal heresies that men's traditional fleshly hearts have believed in and written about only cause great problems in the church. Most of all, those lies remove the fear of God, the fear of the Lord. But those who will come and be taught with spirit-taught hearts, who look to and through the cross for everything, the Holy Spirit will be able to teach them the Word in its correct revelation. It's correct illumination. So I just encourage you to quit reading all that mess out there in, in the context of that you can't, uh, that these people who are in the church uh, that, that tell you that they're really not saved, they're really not They've never been right. Man, that's a bunch of hogwash. And it's all throughout the New Testament that, that people who know the Lord can be cut off. They can be yanked out. They twist all those scriptures because their whole, everything they read is all based on some unconditional eternal security instead of conditional eternal security. Your eternal security is, is, is as conditional as your salvation was in the beginning. If you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Now that you have been saved, if you hold fast this confidence and this hope unto the end, and many other scriptures are there for us. They're even in the book of Revelation that gives the church a warning that there's certain things that if you don't repent from, your name can be blotted out of the book of life. So men come along and, and make all kind of reasonings and excuses about what that they say really means. But I got news for you, my friend. You can lose. You can turn away. You can go back into the vomit that God delivered you out of. And we'll see that in this very chapter as we roll through even at a later time. But watch this scripture in Proverbs eleven eighteen: The wicked work a deceitful work, but to him that sows righteousness, 
shall be a sure reward. Do you see the two contrary things here? There's only two. There's those that are working, but it's only deceitful. They think it's right, but they're going to be wrong and they're going to be punished eternally. Get this. Look at the two contrary, the two, the only two ways here. Watch. The wicked work a deceitful work. They think it's right. They'll stand on it. They'll be sincerely serious as they could be about it, but it's deceitful. That means it looks right, it feels right, but it is not right. And then God says, here, look, there's a colon there. And you know what I teach about the colon? Get ready. Something very serious and specific is about, intense is about to be given on the second side of that colon to help you understand a little bit better what you need to about what was first said on the other side of that colon. Watch this as we read it together again. The wicked work a deceit. Deceitful work. But to him that sows righteousness shall be a sure reward. You want to make sure that you're going to be rewarded by God for that which you're sowing? It has got to be a sowing of righteousness. It has got to be from a heart that is yielded to the righteousness of God, which means what Christ did at Calvary as the Son of God, the Lamb of God. There is no other place to find a place to sow from than the cross of Christ in righteousness. It's not going to happen. It can't happen. And that's the only place from which a sure reward can come through faith a yielded heart in that which Jesus worked. You see, he perfected and finished the work on Calvary's cross. That, from that work, God takes, and that work is what he's working into us. 2 Corinthians 4 and 12. So then death, that death works in us that life may work in you. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And that is the only place that you can have the assurance, the blessed assurance the Holy Spirit will give you of a sure reward. That's it. That's it. There is nothing else that the Holy Spirit can assure your heart through or with other than Calvary's cross and your heart yielded to it. Just think about how sincere and sure the Islamic people are, the Buddhists. They don't have the Holy Spirit, so they're just sincere and sure only according to the domination of the sin nature in their lives. See, the sin nature will make you sure of what you believe is right, but only after the flesh. That's why flesh always goes looking for more flesh because the more flesh that's piled up on what I'm believing makes it feel more right. But Jesus did the only thing that was really ever truly perfectly right in the eyes of God, and he did that all by himself. By himself he purged us 
from our sins. My friend, you don't need, and there's scripture in the New Testament where Paul warns us and said, they're just trying to get you to go the way of circumcision so they can glory because they're glorying in their flesh and they want you to glory in your flesh so you can all get together and glory in a work that's deceitful and glory in your flesh. Get this now. This is a powerful scripture in Proverbs eleven eighteen. The wicked, and they all up in the church. Wickedness is all up in the church. The wicked work a deceitful work. Again, a deceitful work is a work that looks right, seems right, but it's not right. Write this down, Proverbs 12 and 17. It's a Uh, what I call a paramount scripture for those who are learning the way of righteousness, learning the way of the cross, learning to deny self, take up the cross and to follow Christ. It's a paramount scripture, Proverbs 12 and 17. He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. A false witness will use God's word out of its righteous context, but what you see won't be righteousness in God's eyes. If the truth is not being shared in righteousness, righteousness can't be seen. But something will be seen, and it will be deceitful, and it will cause us to venture into works that can only be deceitful. They can only be deceitful. Everything that is a deceitful work is a wicked work. So when the word of God is opened and we say that we're proclaiming truth, if righteousness is not being seen, it's a deceitfulness being laid out and it causes our flesh to rise up and grab a hold of that and work deceit because it seems right. But it's not right. To know what's right, to know what's good, to know what's wrong, and to know what's evil, we can only look to Calvary and through the cross. The blood of Jesus gave us eyesight. The blood of Jesus gives us discernment. And we see that which is laid out on the table that is poisoning the body of Christ. We see that. So therefore, we warn against it. If they're not preaching the cross, which is the only avenue of God's righteousness, then they're using God's word out of its righteous context. And what's being seen is not righteousness, not the righteousness of God, but that which is filthy rags to God, which is what, the only other thing it can produce, which is the deceitful works of men's flesh. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? Get this now, Proverbs 11, 18. I want to read it again, hallelujah. (laughs) The wicked work a deceitful work, but to him that sows righteousness shall be a sure reward. Now let's read on down this a little bit in this today. 
Let's read, the, let's read verse 13 again. Watch very carefully. These shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to write, to revel, this partying thing, this, this other spirit. <clears throat> In the daytime, spots they are and blemishes sporting themselves, reveling themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. While they feast with you. You see, this reveling spirit is all up in the Pentecostal church. This party spirit used that creeps in under the guise of Pentecost You see, the power of Pentecost is the preaching of the cross. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. Peter preached it to the people who, he preached the crucifixion of Christ to the people who crucified Christ. 3,000 people got saved that day, my friend. The power of Pentecost. You got to be careful about all this Pentecostalism that a lot of preachers will use to try to say when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, now you, now you can be delivered. Now you can live free from sin. No, you were given what you needed when you were born again to be able to do that. Amen. The Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for ministry to others. But even in saying that, it will do you no good to others if you don't understand that it's death that's being worked in you but life to others. You see, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not the even the full answer for ministry. It's the death that's being worked in us so that life can be presented, the life of Christ to others. Now we need the power of the Holy Spirit to have the gifts of the Holy Spirit available to us to flow through us after he fills us with the Holy Spirit. And it's seen and should be seen in the light of what we read in the book of Acts. But the power, my Bible says, of God is the preaching of the cross. So a lot of this partying spirit comes in under the guise, a lot of this reveling comes in under the guise of Pentecost. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, the way God sees it. Most of what's called a move of God among Pentecostal people is not a move of God at all. Because we know, according to the Scriptures, that God doesn't move in our lives based on a shout we give, but He moves based on a surrendered heart and an exercising of faith in his son and what he did at Calvary and the hearing of faith that gave us the spirit and allows him to work miracles among us, the hearing of faith that Galatians 3 says is tied to the message of the cross we heard. See, there's a big awakening right now and I pray that many would hear and desire truth more than They would desire to be associated with men in ministries and families or whoever. 
But truth in the inward parts is what God desires. Hallelujah. Watch this now. Let's get through verse 13. I've got five minutes. These shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they, they that count it pleasure to ride in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves, reveling in, reveling, sporting themselves with their own deceivings, using God's word outside of its righteous context. Their own, they're reveling in their own deceivings. One of the deceivings is thinking that you can just go out there and live like that and be in the church house on Sunday and everything be okay. Everything's not okay. Everything's not okay with you in the bars and the clubs on Saturday night and in the church on Sunday morning. And no, I'm not preaching law. I'm doing what, Pe- what Paul did in Antioch to Peter. I'm telling you that God demands among his people to see the fruit of approval, the fruit of what he did to approve them, the fruit of their salvation, the fruit of what he did to save them. He demands to see the fruit of that in our lives. No, he's not condemning us, but in if this is the way we're living and I speak about this from experience, then all he can do is knock on the door to get back in fellowship with you because we are out of fellowship with him. We are out of fellowship with him. Come on now. Watch this now. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while while they feast with you, while they go to church with you, while they're in ministry with you. It's happening while they are feasting with you. Amen. If what you're experiencing in your local church is not the result of the preaching of the cross, then there's some spots and blemishes that are allowed to have places of authority in our love feast, our worship services that need to be dealt with. Come on, somebody. Amen. Let's, let's go ahead and read. Having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls. Who's listening to these people? Unstable souls. A stable soul is yielded to Calvary's cross and determined not to move from it. An unstable soul is somebody who just really d- don't know. I know the cross saved me, but 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 but, but he he's also but 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 that's unstable soul. Watch now, having eyes full of adultery. This could be related to spiritual adultery. And that cannot cease from sin, cannot stop the power of the sin nature beguiling unstable souls an heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children living under the curse, which have forsaken, here it comes, which have forsaken means they had something. What did they have? What have they forsaken? What did they have and now they've forsaken? The right way. Which have forsaken the right way. And are gone astray, following now the, the way of Balaam, the son of Bosar, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Mm. 
We're going to have to stop there. Time's up. But I hope that you'd look at these scriptures and see that the dividing line here is the way of righteousness and the way of unrighteousness. Those who share the word, the truth in righteousness and those who hold it outside of that righteous context, which is always, can only be deceitful. It's the word. The word's right. But it can be presented outside of what makes it right. Oh, my goodness. Which is God's righteousness. Only experienced through a yielded heart unto the death of Jesus. Remember, the Christian can only serve obedience unto righteousness, the wages, the rewards of righteousness, that which exalts Christ and glorifies God, or we can be found in deceitful works that seem right, bound by the sin nature, serving the sin nature unto death. I hope that you'd look at this even more clearly than what I've been able to share it with you about today. Because this is huge, huge, huge in the church today. Even among those who, of course, you know what we're going to do in the church, we're going to try with all that we have to make what we're preaching sound right. Sound right. But it is never right without the cross tied to it. It is never right without righteousness being seen. He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness. You just can't get away from that. And if you listen to me and it try to explain that out of being just a straight line, then you're going to become an unstable soul. And maybe if you have been and you now are an unstable soul, all you have to do to remove all that instability is to make that decision that everything God's doing is always going to be about the cross of His Son. It's the only avenue to be saved. It's the only avenue to be used of God. It's the only avenue to be able, really, to hear God through which faith comes. Amen. I just pray that this has been a blessing to you and that the Holy Spirit has been able to impart a greater revelation of God's righteousness, His way of righteousness, the way of Christ and His cross into your heart today. I encourage you, again, study these things and let the Holy Spirit teach you, guide you into all truth. He is faithful to do that if you will let Him always, if you will allow Him to always deliver you unto death. That's what He's doing. That's what He's doing. You have to accept that, though. 2 Corinthians 4.11 You have to accept the death of Jesus and your death with Him as your assigned and designated place by God for this journey till you reach that finish line. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb. I pray that God's touch be upon your body, your soul, and your spirit, even in this very moment, that there would be a miracle from the Lord's hand if you need that. A restored relationship, a restored ministry, a restored place of fellowship with Christ. Whatever it is that's needed, I pray His touch be upon you even as I speak right now. He's faithful, ever so faithful, 
God bless you. I love you, and I praise God for you. Share these teaching sessions to every person that you can. In spite of who it is that's sharing them, teaching them, share them anyway. Share them anyway. If the Lord stirs your heart to give an offering to Him through this ministry, and that's always between you and Him, you can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can simply text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. God bless you. He loves you. I love you. And I'll see you next time right here. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then. God bless you.